Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. I am Tom Merch Jr. As always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Mike, how's it going? Going well, Tom. Uh, we're, we're excited this week. We have a guest on, uh, which we'll throw to after we record, because we have some NHL hockey to talk about. Uh, a lot of news happened, including some Rangers-related stuff. Should we touch on that stuff first? Yeah, let's let's go to the important news first, um, the Rangers-related news. And it's, I would say, it's more of a, um, it's really just a reality of the world that we're living in right now. And as obviously we know, um, the, as the pandemic rolls on, although there is some light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully uh, as the vaccines are being produced and finalized and, and rolled out, um, a pair of Rangers prospects are going to miss the World Juniors, which uh, I don't even think it really should go on at this point, based on all of the um, outbreaks yeah. with, with COVID. Uh, it's Carl Henriksen, uh, who is representing Team Sweden, uh, and Matthew Robertson uh, of for Team Canada. Um, both prospects not going to participate um, in... It's hopefully that both of them uh, make a um, a full recovery and are not having uh, too bad of symptoms. Um, but it, it is really a scary situation because you never truly know what's going to happen. And while these are um, two young players who are in um, you know peak physical condition, um, just yesterday. Um, in baseball, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, one of their scouts, um, Jairo Castillo, was only 31, and he passed away due to complications with COVID. Um, and, you know, not to make this obviously the COVID show, um, because it's a tough topic, um, it, it to me... The timing of this and the outbreaks we've seen specifically with Team Sweden, where it's impacted their coaches as well, um, yeah, to me... It makes all of the backlash that surrounded the fact that the Rangers wouldn't release Lafreniere, which was mostly about injuries, uh, you know, caution. As we saw last year, he he got injured at the tournament, although he did finish. Um, so fucking stupid. I agree, and like, you don't want to dismiss like who a player is as a human being by saying you know the team has, has an investment in him but they do especially your first overall pick and like right before we started recording you were saying like yeah this turned out to be a pretty good idea for the rangers given the context of of everything with what's going on with the world juniors which are what is it red deer in edmonton this year tom yeah red deer edmonton um, alberta yeah so like just two quick notes like Robertson was supposedly in a position to kind of compete for a spot on the blue line for Canada but uh, Henriksen is a real kind of kick in the pants because he was projected to actually be the first line center for Sweden and that of course makes it even more of a shitty hand to be dealt but none of that's important The, the, the health of these young men is what's important and it is interesting to see this news roll out right after we saw the blowback of, oh, the Rangers aren't letting Lafreniere play, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a major investment in this kid. And, you know, I know that a lot of people are, you know, it's 
an opportunity like playing in the World Juniors is something that shouldn't be taken away from anyone, but it's starting to look like maybe this will be taken away from everyone. And frankly, that's honestly what it should be at this point, given what we've seen. Um, you know, Team Canada had to send back five players, and we don't know specifically if we should clarify, we don't know specifically if Robertson is one of the two players who tested positive, but it's very likely he was exposed. Um, and the fact that he was sent home early is eyebrow raising enough. And it was the whole is unfit to continue to play um, is like the random designation uh, that the, the VP of hockey operations for uh, hockey Canada Salmond gave him. And that's, you know, read between the lines. It's no matter how you, whatever take you take away from it, it's not good. But it is, it is crazy to think we're marching full steam ahead with the World Juniors. And that, I think, exhibition games are right around Christmas is when they're scheduled. And, you know, that's just, Tom, that's two weeks away. What are we doing? Like, it's just crazy. Um, Seriously. It's still full steam ahead. I don't... It, it, it's one thing with, with the NHL and its bubble, and we'll get to all that with uh, the divisions and everything else and, uh, you know, the 50-some-odd game season on January 13th, but... It's it's called the World Juniors because these are really young men and kids, right? It's a little shitty to that we find ourselves in this position, and I know a lot of them are eighteen or older, and you know the majority of them really, and you know they can do what they want at this stage. But like, come on, what the fuck are we doing here? It seems like it's just this needless, this needlessly dangerous thing, and once you have enough of enough data to say look this is what's happening uh, a lot of these kids are sick and a lot of them are being sent home already don't you just kind of throw in the towel and say all right fuck it we tried and we're not going to needlessly imperil the health of others but here we go yeah i agree with what you're saying and i also appreciate you providing the quote of context for that uh you know in the event you know uh i was uh, misinformed i appreciate you having my back there but it's um it's just, like, I get it. People are starved for hockey. Uh, there are people that take this as a big deal because, obviously, you have the implications of prospects that they're using this as an opportunity being on a world stage to improve their their draft stock. I get all that. But, again, I go back to, and it's like a broken record, um, we go back to it was relief pitcher for the Washington Nationals, Sean Doolittle, with sports, our reward for a fully functioning society. And we're not a fully functioning society right now uh, in in many parts of the world. Um, Australia seemingly being one of the few that does have its shit together. I know over the weekend a couple of people were sharing... um, you know, tweets of them actually um, having celebrations and parties because they had gone, uh, I believe it was eight months without a, a positive test and they've seemingly um, controlled things. So yeah, they're able to, to do that. But in the United States and Canada and a lot of other parts of the world, um, we're still having bullshit arguments of wearing masks and, um, you know, following certain curfews and, and doing things to... Um, limit the spread and it I, I get it people are frustrated and they're stir crazy but if you kind of had your shit together the first time maybe we wouldn't be in this position and i know it goes a lot longer than that and a lot there's a lot of other issues and things with stimulus checks and people having to work and i i get it like it's not you know just a broad brush dumping of the situation but in the context of everything going on and hockey Maybe not with these kids and um, just better luck next year. Yeah, I mean, that's the right thing to do here. Um, Backslash and rant. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I was nodding my head along the whole time. Uh, It it is interesting, though, that we're seeing all these while the NHL and NHLPA decided to say, fuck it, we're going. And... It looks like we're full steam ahead on the January 13th start date of this of the upcoming season, which means, what is it, Tom, 56 games? I keep getting it wrong in my... So, 56. 
Like, I've seen 52 and 56 bandied yeah, about. That's, that's why I keep getting... Well, nothing we should make is clear. Nothing is concrete. And the divisions we'll right. talk about soon. Um, yeah, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, nothing is official. And not to go, like, hashtag insider here. Um, but, you know, I can confirm, like, um, you know, want, there is an NHL player who, uh, in their offseason... Uh, lives in the area that I do and is uh has the same uh trainer as my brother and their NHL team has not confirmed anything to them and at the point they had said you know best case scenario we're expecting you to be reporting after Christmas like this was last week um obviously things can change but you know th it's very much still uh trying to iron things out because you have players in other countries um you have you know um like i think like i'm not sure i would assume he's back by this point but like panarin spent the off season in russia and you obviously have you know canadians in america and americans in canada and you know vice versa so um but it does seem like we're moving closer towards some resolution yeah it is definitely interesting um because I mean, 50, uh, you know, 50 game season is pretty substantial, especially um, given how low expectations were. Um, you know, my first thought is always like the lockout shortened season, right? Where, you know, how much hockey do you get out of like 50 games is still plenty. And, you know, the way my brain works for this stuff, other than, of course, like, oh, yeah, is this a good idea? Probably not. And we definitely shouldn't have fans anywhere near any of these games. But the one of the first things I find myself asking is, like, is this enough of a like hockey season for the younger guys on this team to develop? And um, I know you, you said the comment of, like, you know, a 50-some-odd game season is it will still provide a pretty good workload for, for uh, Shesterkin and Nett. And that is something that jumps to like the forefront of my mind because like yeah we can it's still a pretty substantial rookie season for Lafreniere and a pretty good substantial sophomore season for Capo Caco so there is a lot to take away there um you want to talk about the hypothetical divisions yeah let's let's do that um let me pull up they are they are subject to change um but it is yeah it is interesting because we all knew it was the Canadian teams that were going to be in their own division, which helps skirt right. around the whole border issue that you'd you'd have, um, and that of course makes perfect sense. Um, and again, emphasize none of this is final, um, and it was first talked about only about three four hours ago, so um, still kind of hot off the press in terms of news, in terms of the time of us recording, that the Rangers would likely find themselves in a division with Boston. Buffalo, the Devils, the Islanders, uh, the Flyers, the Penguins, and the Capitals. So uh, out of the Rangers division would be like Carolina and Columbus, right? Um, and in the division would be a couple teams from the Atlantic. And um, truth be told, Tom, it's the wrong division to be in if you're the Rangers. Um, if it comes yeah. down to when it actually happens, it's not the division you want to be in of the, right. of the Eastern Seaboard teams. Although I do, I do like uh, Adam's point. Um, I want to pull up the tweet just so I have the the wording right um, when looking at these divisions. But it was tired. This division setup is bad news for the Rangers wired this division set up is bad for the sabers which is good for the rangers uh obviously a, <laughs> a, a call back to the whole jack eichel you know wanting to win and wanting oh to you know potentially but um yeah uh real quick rest of the divisions carolina cbj detroit chicago florida minnesota nashville tampa bay Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, L.A., San Jose, St. Louis, Vegas uh, in another division, and then all Canadian teams. Um, like, um, again, like we've said with everything else, uh, we will believe it when we see it. Um, but yeah. for 56 games, why, why the fuck not? Like, one of the things I've always said about, um, and it's not so much for the Rangers because really you're just adding two teams that are otherwise not in their division. Um, 
one of the things to grow the sport is you have an opportunity to see players that you might not otherwise see. Like one of the things that I appreciate about baseball um, is that not only do they obviously you have the series where you're playing three games against the same opponent, but you will rotate your schedule um, each season. So one year you might be playing, uh, if you're an NL team, you might be playing the, the central division in the AL. Um, another, you're playing the West. Um, so you're giving these fans the opportunity to, okay, I'm going to see a Mike Trout, okay, um, from, from you know, the Los Angeles Angels where, you know, I may not otherwise see him. So in this instance, um, it really doesn't so much work for um, the Rangers, but like you see like Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, um, and then you have like Nashville and Tampa Bay. So you could get some interesting matchups there. Um, but like, you know, not to joke about it, uh, it, you never know what could happen. Rangers could get hot and, if they prove themselves against this kind of a tough division, maybe we find out, okay, they're a little farther along than we thought. And then, you know, I don't know if you say worst case scenario, um, they lose and guess what? Um, they end up with another prime lottery pick, um, or potential asset in a trade. So really, um, you know, I can't complain too much because NHL hockey being back would be cool. Granted, everything is safe and they're not taking up uh, otherwise needed resources that could go to people and communities. But if it's a safe plan, then I'm all for it. Yeah, it, to me, it's a little bit like, you know, beggars can't be you know choosy here, right? Like hockey will be hockey if we get it back and assuming everything is done the right way and all that. I. I didn't think we would be this far along the last time we talked, considering what the you know the NHL was asking of its players and some of the commentary we heard out of players. Like, I think it was Andre Sekera who was one of the players being like, "Hey, like, what are they? They're just asking for us to take even less money, and that's not what we agreed to." But I think all parties involved realize how much money is at stake to lose here, and that's why they're gonna try and move forward. And it's crazy. Tom, to think that, you know, I mean, we're recording this on December 9th, buddy. It's a month away from the start of the season. That means we're less than a month away from, I don't know, training camp and who the fuck knows what the hell happens next. But it is speaking crazy of to money, find yourself immediately there, right? Oh, yeah. I rudely cut you off. But speaking of money, you reminded me that um, Forbes released their list of. Uh, NHL team valuations and the Rangers were once uh, number one in the league, which I'm not really surprised by because uh, they've got lots of money. And uh, let me guess, yeah. Toronto was two. Uh, I, I, let's see, you know, I really should. If I'm going to bring up a topic, I should have the documentation supporting it. But I believe it was uh, the Rangers, the Leafs, and then the Canadians, but. Yeah. I'm going to. I think that's do... typically a big three in terms of the deepest coffers in the, in the league. NHL Forbes, yes. So number one, Rangers, one point six five billion. Leafs, one point five billion. Uh, the Canadians, one point three four billion. And then at the very bottom um, was the Coyotes, two hundred eighty-five million. Panthers, two hundred ninety-five million. Blue Jackets, three hundred and ten million which that's a big gulf 285 million to 1.65 billion dollars and also Air that's quotes, a lot of Dr. money Evil. that's a lot of money for the rangers to have at their disposal and uh they signed jack johnson but uh, i don't yes. want to go down that road again but i, I just want to say we're that we're this much closer to seeing jack johnson on the ice <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe he doesn't make the team. Or maybe he's just here to be the seventh defense. Blah, blah, blah. Who's to maybe, say? Yeah, or maybe He's got to earn it, or at least that's he's what we've been told. That's what we've been told, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, it, it is kind of crazy to me that we're this close to potentially NHL hockey. Um, and also, it's crazier still to me that we're this close to the World Juniors because of 
you know, it's it's been this ongoing thing. We can't help but talk about COVID because that's COVID is shaping the world around us in our everyday lives and also obviously hockey. And, um, you know, for people like you and me, Tom, it gives us something to talk and write about. And for those who haven't been on banter in a while, Adam's been doing his prospect uh, report in terms of ranking the Rangers prospects. So definitely check in on that if you haven't yet. And uh, we're starting to wrap up our report cards, which is just in time for the start of the next season. Um, yeah. But yeah, here we are, right? It is it is crazy to think, and I'm sure the, the thing that most Rangers fans are focusing on right now is just when do we get to see laugh on the ice? And uh, I get it. I want it to happen soon, but I do hope we get there in the safe, responsible way. Um, was there any other stuff we needed to touch on with NHL news or Rangers news? No, not really. Um, the only thing, and I bring it up because, uh, once again, like we were talking before, um, you know, we started recording how we mark the passage of time. Um, you know, it, it today, or rather would have been yesterday, but when I looked at my Facebook memories, it was today. Um, and, you know, this was a good, sh- you know, shot of dopamine. Um, nine years ago yesterday was the infamous Artem Anisimov shorthanded goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which he then dropped to a oh, knee, aimed his stick, and pulled the trigger, which... Uh, you know, it really got the people going, and uh, uh, I remember it being it a full innocent. Yeah, <laughs> like I've seen puppies that have taken a poop indoors look less ashamed and confused about what they've done than Artem and Nisimov did. Like he immediately was looking around at everyone. I don't understand. I've done something terrible. What? God, that was such a hilarious and precious moment. Oh yeah, and like I think Kevin, uh, Kevin Powers summed it up perfectly, and I didn't realize it to this point but he said Artie was the weird Russian that walked so Booch could run and I just think that's <laughs> fucking perfect I mean yeah that that fits Booch like a glove right Booch is like him strumming the guitar person. earlier this year after scoring a goal like that's exactly yeah. in the same vein yeah Buchnevich reacts to things in hockey games like a kid who's really good in gym class like throwing his head back, like wondering why he didn't make the tapping goal and strumming a guitar and like there's no guy that pulls his mouth guard out of his mouth faster and points to a teammate when he finishes a play and he picks <laughs> up the primary system Booch does. He's just so fucking entertaining to watch. But it's funny with Booch because he's he's another guy to keep a really close eye on this year because he's a guy who the Rangers will have to eventually decide, is this a guy who's going to be here long-term and be a part of the core of this team? Or is he going to be a guy we try and replace and upgrade? La, 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 yeah, la, 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 I know you don't like hearing that, Tom, but he is... That's uh, what we do. we got to talk about hockey. Well, here's um, the good thing about the season starting when it does. He would be eligible yeah. to sign an extension oh, without having go. played a game. So they just fucking take care of business. Put, put that Christmas present in my stocking. I'll tell you what. You Tom is obviously on Team Booch. I don't blame you. Booch is goddamn lovable, but yeah, three point two five million on the cap now. He'll be an RFA, and if you look at the organizational depth chart, Tom, you kind of need Pavel Buchnevich in the uh, in the immediate and short term future, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's kind of hard to fit all the jigsaw pieces together of what this team's going to look like over the next three or four years and put together a picture that doesn't have Buchnevich involved. I mean, you can do it, just like you can do it for a lot of guys. Like, you know, you don't want to do it without Zibanejad, but you can. You don't want to do it without Buchnevich, but you can. And that doesn't mean Buchnevich and Zibanejad are on the same level in terms of their value and importance to the roster and to the organization. But it's, you know, a lot of things would have to go really, really right for the Rangers for them to deem Buchnevich like a guy they can cast away. Um, and if that happens, the Rangers won't have to worry as much because there will be a nice thing to have to happen. But I'm betting on Buchnevich getting an extension and being a Ranger for at least the next five years at this stage. But who knows? You never know, uh, especially with a guy like Buchnevich who seems to be the guy coaches, or I should say Rangers coaches, don't know what to do with sometimes. Five-year extension from your lips to your deity, not or 
not lack thereof of choice ears um i would uh i'd greatly appreciate that but you know we we certainly uh shall see um was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything no, let's throw it before... over to yeah let's throw it over to our interview with Alyssa turner Right, so yes, the uh, the next thing you'll hear is some uh, some sweet advertisements, and then after that uh, break, we'll be uh, Mike and I and our wonderful guest uh, Alyssa Turner. So uh, we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned for uh, a uh, hopefully a, an amazing interview. Welcome to this week's episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts, where uh, coming into the show, Tom and I were like, oh, we're going to have a guest. This will be fun. Not a lot to talk about in the NHL world. And then over the past three worlds, three worlds, three days, how many worlds are there? I don't know. Uh, over the past three days, a lot of crazy shit happened in terms of NHL news. But we're going to get to that later because we have a guest we're really excited about. And that's Alyssa Turner, the, I don't know, social digital sorceress uh goofball wizard clown of the of the riveters in toronto six what's your official title now Alyssa? um i don't even know uh, i think my twitter bio says twitter and digital but or twitter and digital <laughs> social and digital um but uh yeah it's mostly social i manage uh the toronto six and the riveters platforms and create content for them uh do some web stuff for them kind of all over the place but yeah, I don't know if I have an official title, but I like I like the title you gave me. All those words, I like those. Those are good. It's a lot of putting that on the LinkedIn right title. now. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, if if you don't know Alyssa, you don't follow her on Twitter. You're kind of fucking up. Uh, her Twitter is a turns with a Z eleven, and she's hands down one of the funniest people on Twitter to me, especially uh, the, I think like the queen of chuckles and good times in the women's hockey sphere that. I got to tell you, we definitely need plenty of it in the women's hockey sphere because, ooh, a lot of drama. Anyway, um, we're really excited <laughs> to have Alyssa on, and you know, we made a point of getting some guests on. And I wanted to ask you, Alyssa, because I know before you worked for the N Dubs, you worked with the Furies. I was wondering, can you kind of give our listeners an idea of how you got from, uh, you know, crawling around on the floor? putting pennies and stuff in your mouth as a kid to hockey. Did I, I wonder if kids <laughs> How did you know pennies. I did that as a child? I think every kid does it. I know that I ate sand as a kid and like when I dropped nice. like I, chips in the sand. I ate a lot of Play-Doh as a kid. I know I ate a lot of Play-Doh because it's really good. They make Play-Doh edible. That's honestly oh, what's on that. Oh, that good because I ate a lot of it. That makes sense. I guess then. I'm okay <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, so I worked for the series before whatever I do now. Um, and the way I got there is actually quite funny. Uh, I tweet. I was like at Mastercard Arena, which is it's not called that anymore, but that's where the Furies did play. That was their home rink. Um, I was there coaching. I coached Pee Wee like uh, girls hockey, and I was there before a game. And it was the first game of the season, and I saw like just the setup of like the Furies and stuff. And I think one of the China teams was there, I'm pretty sure, was their opener. And I was like, this would be cool to, like, be a part of. Like, this would be something that's just really cool. I tweeted at the Toronto Series Twitter account, basically kind of kidding, but also not kidding. I was like, hey, um, are you looking for an incident? And then Sammy Joe Small, who was managing their Twitter at the time, which is just very telling of what women's hockey uh, is, um, who was their GM, and she was like, yeah, it's send me an email after today's game and I sent her an email she's like come out tomorrow to play again and then within five minutes of talking to Sammy uh I was running their Twitter and their Instagram and then from that point on I managed all their platforms for the season and then it's such a funny story it makes me laugh every time um and then 
After that, uh, sadly, as we all know, the CWHL folded. I uh, didn't really know where I was going to end up. And then I was doing some stuff for my school's athletic department. And then one night on Twitter, again, I don't know how I just keep getting opportunities on Twitter, but here we are. Um, I made like a rant about women's hockey. I quote tweeted a very, very, very um, known women's hockey player tweet and went on a thread rant. And then I was like, oh, by the way, I have an internship coming up. If anyone wants to work with me, no, this is a long shot, but DMs are open. And then at NWHL tweeted me and was like, maybe it's not a long shot. Check your DMs. And then uh, from that point on, I was working on the Minnesota platforms uh, for half of season five last year. And then sadly with COVID, wasn't able to finish off the season um, and then jumped on to the league platforms for a bit and then... When we expanded to Toronto, jumped on those, and then as of the past month and a bit, I've been helping out with the Riveters. Yeah. Yeah. So we we were very briefly coworkers when I was with. The we NHL. were. I remember having immense relief when you took over uh, the Whitecaps <laughs> socials because I was like trying to monitor that, and I was like, okay, we're we're in very good hands now. And uh, <laughs> I guess your story is just one of look look what happens when you take your shot. You cook. I mean, mm-hmm. you took a couple shots, and look where you end up. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a shoot-your-shot kind of thing. You know? So, like, don't be afraid to, like, put yourself out there because you never know what's available. Because, like, at least with the Furies, there was literally no one running their social media. Like, it was Sammy Joe Small, their GM and former Olympian, like, that was, like, tweeting their games. Um, so, yeah, you never know. And that's kind of how I've gotten my way around and where I am now. So you obviously took a chance, you know, just sort of shooting your shot and you're in the role you are now. Um, this is going to be the inaugural season for the Six and it's going to start in uh, a very impressive way, uh, or rather not impressive, an unprecedented way with everything going on um, with COVID. Um, what are you looking forward to most with uh, not only the start of, of them as a franchise, but uh, what's going to be going on in Lake Placid? In all honesty with you, I'm just so excited to be a part of live hockey. Um, It's been since March since the NWHL has played, and I haven't covered a live sport since March. Um, And as much as I love firing off uh, re-signing posts, and I've had so much fun with the branding and building the voice for the Toronto Six over the past eight months, but like my true passion and my love for what I do comes from covering live hockey and covering live sports in general Uh, and just being a part of that um, it's going to be special and especially in the stage that the NWHL is going to be on in Lake Placid but also uh, from the Toronto Six perspective with their inaugural season and I'm just really excited for hockey because again it's been been a really long year and a really long off season Uh, I just can't wait for hockey. So you mentioned that you got the opportunity, um, you you were coaching, and you just sort of sent out a tweet. So um, what was your your start in hockey? Was it just something like you, you played as a kid and then eventually got into to coaching? Because um, like, I think, uh, like, at least from my perspective, um, you know, like I grew up in New York, um, and it was really, like, big for basketball and baseball, basically stuff like that growing up. And I didn't know personally a lot of people – um, playing hockey where obviously, you know, you're in Canada and hockey is the thing there. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, I'm Canadian, uh, surprise, surprise. Um, but I was born into a family. So I have three older brothers. Um, I am the only girl in my family, like only girl sibling. I'm the youngest, uh, born into a family. All three brothers played hockey. Uh, my dad refed in the OHL, um, and also coached all my brothers, um, I was just surrounded by the sport the moment I was just born, basically. Um, Diehard Red Wings fan, uh, born in Windsor, so right near the border, obviously. Uh, Great when I was younger, not so great lately, but uh, hey now. Um, Yeah, I just, I played since I was three. I love the sport. I love playing it. I love being around a rink. I love talking about it. I love thinking about it. It's something that's always been a part of my life, and hopefully it'll be a part of the rest of my life because I really enjoy hockey so 
Yeah, I, I. It's fun thinking of like the, the border town in Canada. You think everyone from Canada Canada would support a Canadian team, but I mean, no, thank sorry you. About, oh, I'm sorry about the whole getting the Rangers getting the first overall pick. I mean, I mean, uh, we have to get that out of the way. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not really upset that the Rangers got it. I'm more upset with how it went. Because the yeah. way I looked at it, I was like, there could be, like, if the Blackhawks, oh, I don't even want to say that name, if the Chicago hockey team got it, no. I, I, I probably wouldn't watch the sport again. Um, but <laughs> the Rangers, I'm like, okay, like, it's, it's whatever. I can, I can handle that. But the way 17 wins and they just, they they fourth yeah, overall. They What's that about? It's, just, it's it's rough. Um, and you and I both got to enjoy some really fresh looking NWHL jerseys. But I gotta know, what is your honest opinion of the Red Wings reverse retro? Because awful, awful. It's a practice it's jersey. A, yeah, it's a practice jersey. That's right. It's so See, bad. That's why we know we can trust Alyssa, folks, because <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's the so bad. Is, is what it is, but the Red Wings jersey is, oh, they didn't try. The thing try that frustrates me the most, it fun. looks like they didn't try. Like, yeah. and the Red Wings have really nice jerseys. Like, in my, and that's not even, like, my biased opinion. Like, I think the Red Wings, like, have one of the best, like, jerseys in the league. Just they're clean looking, they're nice, they're, they're classics, they're just great jerseys. And so when the, the reverse retro idea like was being talked about, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be sick. Like they're gonna they're gonna blow it out of the water. It's gonna be great. They've haven't had a third jersey like ever. This is gonna be amazing. And then I came out with like this like just a, a practice jersey. Like a literal practice jersey with some silver silver linings on it and that's it. And I just don't I just don't get it. Yeah, it's pretty weak sauce. Um... It's so bad. <laughs> Well, on to something a little more exciting, which is uh, before the show started, we, we joked that the NHL got to kind of come in and steal the NWHL's thunder with the projected start of the season for the NHL now being January 13th. But it's I was just talking about this last week and the week before we had uh, Melissa Burgess on and I said, you know, like a month ago, eh, I don't think the NWHL could pull off a bubble. And... Then I had to immediately eat crow and put my foot in my mouth. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Turns out they can. Um, because it looks like we're really heading towards hockey. And you said that's what you're so excited about is, is live games. And that's the thing that I'm buzzing about, too, is like, you know, oh, it's only, you know, each team's only going to play each other once and all that. It's going to be like kind of like a women's world tournament or any world tournament, really, for that matter. But uh, I'll take it um, is, is my stance on it is you are you kind of gearing up for how close that is and you know what is it what is it like knowing that we're actually going to have end ups hockey to look forward to this year it's extremely exciting but it's there's just so many things to do from now until january 22nd because yeah. <laughs> like from my perspective of course um like running a team account you have to think about your branding you have to think about your content you got to think about your game day plan and then on top of everything that you have to think about normally you also got to think about oh hey we're also in a once in a lifetime bubble right now like this is like a big deal like all, all eyes are on us kind of thing um so that's the added pressure you got to think about how you can execute your like how you can elevate the social media content and the branding within the bubble um it's a lot, and uh, we've been really busy uh, the last couple of weeks. We've had some like like Black Friday merch stuff go out, and Cyber Monday stuff, and merch stuff. Um, but I'm really excited now to be busy with like hockey stuff. Um, from both of the T6 and the Ribs perspective, expect some big things coming over the next month and a half, and or two months, I should say, into the bubble. Uh, it's gonna be fun, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot, long hours. Uh, probably a lot of energy drinks i might tweet some ridiculous things because i might be sleep deprived so yeah so part of the reason we're trying to have more guests on um we and especially um you know those who are involved with women's hockey is trying to grow the the viewership of it and the interest in it and uh 
because I think people have misconceptions about it. Like, I think the thing we hear all the time is, like, the lazy remarks, like, oh, there's, you know, there's no hitting allowed in women's hockey. How physical can it be? Um, but from my perspective as, and you're actually the perfect person to ask this question, um, because for our listenership, the Riveters would be, I would say, the hometown team. Um, and then you have the six who are the new team. So if someone hasn't really been following this and they were going to latch on to one of two teams, I would think it would be one of those. So my question is, um, for those who are not that familiar with um, the N, um, what would we want to look for, whether it be from the six or the Riveters? Like a player, a, a storyline, um, something that someone could go, okay, I want to keep an eye on this as I um, try and you know watch this more and get accustomed to it. Yeah, uh, we'll start with the Rivs. Uh, I'll end with the T6. But the Rivs, like, they're just such a gritty and, like, like likable but like almost like an unlikable team if you're not a fan of them if that makes sense um they're just such a gritty team they're a fun team i'm really excited to see uh kelly babstock play uh in ribs colors this season uh i was really stoked when i found out she was going to be on the t6 i was really excited and then the trade happened and i was like okay whatever and at the time i wasn't working for the ribs so i was like ah. Oh, I can't I can't cover Kelly, Kelly Babstock, but now I can, which is sweet. Uh, and they're just a really like like just energe- energetic, fun, uh, gritty team. They're they're all really act like from a social media perspective. Of course, they're all really active on their social media accounts. Like Madison Parker's hilarious on Twitter. Um, they're 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 just a, like an all around likable team. If you're a fan of them, if you're not a fan of them. you probably don't like them, Um, which is the vibe that they want to give off, and they do give off. Uh, From the T6, I think it's pretty telling. They're the newest newest squad. Uh, A lot of the the players on their roster have never played in the NW before, uh, which is really exciting, both for the league and for the team, because a lot of these players, um, they were standouts for their college programs, but now they're coming into the NW, and some of them played overseas, and Again, some of them are just coming out of college um, or they were in the CWHL or the NWHL in the past. And there's a lot of, like, unknownness to their players. Um, so there's a lot of excitement behind it. Um, and I also think we've just, dro- like, driven up a lot of hype from the social media perspective um, for, for the team to play hockey because uh, it's been so long. Uh, we've been a team since April 22nd, and we haven't played a hockey game yet. Um yeah, there's just a lot of hype and a lot of uh, things to look forward to from the T6, T6 perspective because it's new. No one knows who we are. Uh, Digit Murphy's leading the way, and it, Digit Murphy is Digit Murphy, and yeah. I guess I want to take it to, I guess, a little more serious topic to me, which is something I found um, you know, over my going on six years now of kind of being active in the women's hockey community. And this is something, um, I've always found fascinating to talk to people about this and I haven't really had an opportunity to talk to you about it, which is, and honestly, you're on the front lines of it. And, you know, you already mentioned, you know, the thread you had that got attention, um, like just how exhausting it can be, uh, to be, a presence on social media in women's hockey um, because that is something I discovered where uh, I felt like you know even though I felt like my opinions and what I was bringing to the table was valuable I got very worn out not just by the people oh there's no hitting who cares it's girls all that bullshit all the misogyny but also just the the back and forth of oh it's it's the end versus the sea and why isn't it one league and then you know, now it's, oh, it's now it's the N versus the PWHPA and all that. And I think it's like this little known secret that I've just gone full hermit crab and gone into my shell to work on stats and stay off of social media because frankly, it's just better for my mental health. But as someone who has to kind of be there, I mean, it's part of what you do. Is it something that has worn you down some days? Is it something where you wish there was a little more everyone rowing in the same direction, a little less drama, a little less infighting and stuff like that? Or is it just something that you think is like this, 
this inevitable growing pain of the sport and in this important period where we have you know all the post-collegiate athletes and including athletes who are still in college really asking the question like what do we want post-collegiate professional women's hockey to look like and these growing pains are just like we have to have them and it's just kind of shitty that it seems like it's this ongoing headache and it always feels like there's two camps and it depends how you react to people is which which camp you people assume you're in or which camp you your foot ends up in yeah um wow you nailed everything on the on the head there um but it's, about it a it's, lot, <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting uh to put it in yeah. one word and one word only uh it's exhausting uh I, like i said i've been part of this now not as long as you have but three seasons now three and a half almost um it's exhausting um and i'm always team let's all work together uh like why why are we why are there two sides why we're like you're doing less for the game than you think you are by doing what you think is doing more for the game um unfortunately uh and it's really tough to see especially like if you work on women's hockey, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> you are exhausted. Uh, you are just like run down. You're, you're just, you, but you love what you do and you love doing yeah. it because you know it's worth it. And you know that the impact that your work has is going the extra mile. Whether like that exhaustion is getting in the way of seeing that, like at the end of the day, that is why you do it. And that is why like, you do you you complain about it like yes I'm saying how exhausting it is right now like I complain about it all I want but if I don't complain about it like I'm gonna probably lose my mind um, but <laughs> I know the feeling very well yeah, yeah I'm like going to lose to my vent. mind yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it takes a toll uh, I I really do sh- I struggle personally with unplugging uh, and I think that's the nature of working in social and loving what you do combined with each other. Um, like, I feel like I'm always on a lot of the times, which isn't healthy. Um, and it's something I've worked on and I've gotten better at and I'm continuing, continuing to work on. Um, and then always feeling like you're on is really hard, but it's even harder in the women's hockey landscape because some days you feel like you're walking on eggshells a little bit, like maybe even on your personal account. Um, like you don't want to like a certain tweet or you don't want like, it's such a, it's, it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> in all honesty that like we have to have those feelings. Um, I've, I hate to, to say their sides, but like I've been on both sides. Like I worked for the CW and now I'm full fledged working for the end of, and I love every bit about it and whatnot. Um, and I, I've been on both sides and it's just one of those things where it's like, why can't we just, work together and build what's best for what we know is best. Um, yeah, it's frustrating, but again, I love it. It's just tiring. It's so tiring. Yeah. I'm glad I just brought the entire show to a, (laughs) but it is like, it's something I really struggled with and I was kind of fascinated. Like everything you said, I found myself nodding my head along to because, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure people, a lot of people might assume I'm in camp NWHL, especially because I work for the league, but I always say my camp is women's hockey. Yeah. Um, I don't pretend to know the right path forward. Uh, that's not what I do. I, I like talking about hockey. I like reporting about what's going on in terms of what's on the ice. And of course I care and I have opinions about what's going on off the ice in the future of the game and what's best. But more often than not, I just find myself with my like my face in my hands, wondering why energy is being put towards like squabbling when we could be sitting at the same table trying to yeah. sort things out. And you know, it's it's really interesting to see how it's evolved over the past couple of years. Ever since the CWHL folded, and that was such a bummer to me that the CWHL folded because. I don't think people even today appreciate how historic that league was and the role it played in not just women's hockey, but hockey period. And as someone like you, you, I mean, the greater Toronto area, it's so great that the six are there because like the history of the Thunder and 
and you know the Furies, and even you know there was who else was there? Those Burlington Barracudas were there, um, you know, and I think there was I think there may have been a Mississauga team. I don't know, but like the amount of post collegiate hockey that was there in Ontario and in the CWHL is just you could fill books about it and mm-hmm. when it just ended it felt such a people were just like oh I guess it's just the NWHL now and then we just got this kind of oh guess what the next chapter is another you know like mini civil war of of the sphere and goodness gracious I'm tired of it but so uh, that's kind of yeah that's kind of yeah something that like like at least like I I try and work on is like because uh, there are days and like I I've been pretty public a couple of these days where like I I'm fairly frustrated and I'll make a comment and like whatnot um I've tried to refrain from those comments especially over the last like six months um because I've just realized that and you you hit it like perfectly earlier with what you said about how your team women women's hockey like you work for women's hockey like what you do is to build the game you're not on either side you don't know the path and that's okay like I I feel the same way and a lot of what I do is I just push through the bull crap like I try and ignore it and I just keep working um I know from the start, since I built out the, the T6 brand, I kind of made it known to myself, like, ignore, like, ignore the crap and just keep working. Keep your head down, keep working, uh, because it's going to, it's going to get you, like, not only me somewhere, but, like, that's not why I'm doing it, but, like, it's going to get you somewhere, and it's going to, more importantly, get women's hockey somewhere, and that's kind of what keeps me going on days where I just want to rant on Twitter. <laughs> So I've talked to Mike um, offline about this, um, you know, just sort of trying to pick his brain, like as obviously someone who's been involved with with women hockey for for a long time. Um, you know, I I understand this question like might be like difficult to answer, but you know, like in your mind, do you have sort of a vision where you see professional women's hockey five years from now? Do you think we'll get to a point where maybe there is one league? Do you think it's going to be a continuation of, of both groups just uh, pushing in the direction they are now? Or do you have like an ideal of what you would like everything to look like? I mean, my first thought is one league, like, and that's, I I hate that saying, like, it's not a saying, but, um, like, one league, like, that's kind of, that's my, that would be my end goal, um, I don't know how they get there, I don't know how it's gonna happen, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but one league where, uh, after college, um, women have a place to play, and it's one place, and there's no drama, they're just playing the game they, game they love, and more importantly, like obviously they're playing the game they love, but they're getting treated like professionals. So they have top of line facilities, they have the gear, they have the press, they have everything, and they're and even the most important thing, they're getting paid like professionals. Um, because as we know, the women's hockey that's not there right now. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a dollar person. Like I'm the only numbers I can count are retweets and likes. Um, so I don't know from like a business standpoint, how that looks in a certain amount of years, but I would hope in five years that women's hockey is at the point where, um, every player is able to just play hockey and hockey is their, is their career because that's what, that's what they deserve. And that's what, like the current generation and the past generations deserve and obviously the like future generations deserve because it's it's ridiculous like we're in 2020 and these amazing hockey players that are just so good at hockey like incredible at hockey are not making enough money to live from it and it's just it's a shame we're not there but obviously we all know we have a lot of work to do um but hopefully by in five years that's where we're at that's kind of where I come from too. Like I know Tom asked you this question, but my my feeling is like if we don't have like one league that's paying everyone enough to live and have hockey as their primary career, at the very least, I hope the women's hockey sphere as a whole is a little more united than it is now, um, because I feel like that is 
that is the thing that makes everything else just that much more tiring and exhausting. And I also think, frankly, it makes it so that people who might consider women's hockey and they're like, oh, let me check back in. Oh, there's still this divide? All right, I'll be back when things are a little clearer. And, like, honestly, I don't blame all of them for that perspective um, because, you know, we people only have so many hours to dedicate to entertainment and at the end of the day sports is entertainment and women's hockey is entertainment and I feel like a lot can be done if you know a little if some bridges are built and you know some gaps are narrowed and people row in the same direction a little bit more but again like I said before I don't pretend to know all the answers um I get a, a Rangers tangential thing um was uh, Alexei Lafreniere was wearing a PWHPA uh, sweater in a recent picture that went up on Twitter, which is kind of cool. Um, I was wondering, do you think we need... Uh, this is one of my favorite, like, derp questions to ask people in w- the women's hockey sphere. It's because my opinion is uh, what the NHL could do for women's hockey is sign more checks and kind of stay the hell out of the way. Uh, that is my perspective, just be- based on how Gary Bettman treats uh, players in the NHL. I don't think I want him trying to manage uh, women in any sort of WNHL or whatever the hell. But do you think that, you know, players on the Red Wings and any other team are doing enough to draw attention to the elite athletes in women's hockey? Or is it just no, like, no, they're not doing enough. Not, and they suck. No. Yeah. No. Um, and I know from like with the series at least like and i can really only speak upon like seeing the social media impact of it um but i know with the series like we did have a partnership with the maple leafs and from the season i worked our top 10 most impression tweets were like six or seven of them had the maple leafs like mentioned in them like because they like either amplified it or we mentioned them and then like like whatever it might have been like literally six or seven out of our 10 top season tweets had the leaps in them. And like, that might sound a little weird, but like, I, I think it's a great testament and like a great showing of like the impact that the, like a retweet, like a retweet from the Maple Leafs who have like, I don't know, probably almost 2 million followers on Twitter does so much for a brand that has 11 K. It just, it's insane. It's insane. Um, And like, I know, the Bruins have posted some stuff for the pride, not nearly enough, but I, I, I don't know how that works, but um, like, I know when they do the engagement numbers are unreal. Like they're, they're great. Like yeah. they're, they're, I've never seen the back end of them, but like they, they're, the numbers are great. They're driving traffic towards the pride's Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be. And that's huge. And like last wearing the PW hoodie the other day was humongous like that. And it sounds so ridiculous to be like, Oh, a player, a hockey player, like a male hockey player wearing a hoodie is so big. Like, yeah, it is. Like, that's where we're at, unfortunately. But it's so big for the sport because, like, they are, like, women's hockey players are constantly fighting for airtime and they're not getting it on TV, as we know. So they're fighting for it elsewhere. And that's on Twitter, that's on Instagram, that's on Facebook. And little things like that go so far. And it's just one of those things I don't really, like, Obviously, I'm not, like, behind the scenes from other perspectives, but, like, it just should be done more, in my opinion. Like, like the I know over the summer, uh, the T6 kind of covered, like, had some fun with the NHL playoffs, and they bandwagoned the Canes for a bit, and then the Canes followed us, and then we bandwagoned the Abs, and the Abs followed us. And that was since we made our Twitter in April that month, which I'm pretty sure was August was the most growth we had on on followers in like our eight months nine months however many months it's been of being an account like that because we had so many just like simple interactions from from nhl teams and it's it's simple and hopefully we continue to see it um but yeah it's it's a lot easier i think than people give it credit for yeah, it, to me, it's always like, how how low do we have to set the bar before we're disappointed by 
the level of engagement and attention it's like it's touching the goddamn ground like just do literally it's a retweet like it's a it's it's one click or two (laughs) clicks i don't even know i retweet a lot but i don't even know how many clicks it is yeah just a little bit um we don't want to take up too much of your time and i love talking about a little bit everything including some serious stuff with you but as one of the people who makes me laugh almost literally every day of my dumb life um i wanted to know just for fans who might be curious about uh some personalities and players in women's hockey to follow on twitter hit me with your top five i'm just going to put you on the spot who are five players that everyone should follow on so players doesn't have to be twitter yeah uh madison packer uh gosh madison packer uh oh this is hard my question is <laughs> uh, sorry um yeah we got madison packer number one easy one um there's so many um we're gonna go can i say the boston pride tiktok because that's players that yeah, are the Boston it. Pride's TikTok is an entire thing it's that amazing. is worthy of it's everyone's amazing. attention. It's oh the my only God. reason Follow I it. TikTok in the first Follow place. Follow it. It's so good. Uh, the Whitecaps TikTok is also very good as well. Uh, Sam does their socials and their marketing, and she's doing a great job with that, and it's slowly building. Um, so I'm going to say Madison Packer, Boston Pride TikTok. Shout out to Tori Sullivan and Christina Petunia. Uh, I want to say Amanda Levier because but she's not as like she's not super duper active but when she is it's hilarious uh and it's so good uh her and her and uh, Allie Morse are always I'm gonna add Allie Morse, Allie to Morse that too. is a low-key clutch follow she's, she's so she's such a great Twitter follower from like like obviously from like being a hockey like player but like just a great Twitter follow like just to like be on your t- uh, timeline what is that for one more. Um, Everyone should follow Sammy Joe Small, but that's just me. I'm absolutely, and buy her book. This is a, this is a book uh, endorsement from yours truly. Buy Sammy Joe's book. It's so good. Um, uh, yeah, that's my fifth. Sammy Joe Small. Yep, there you go. There you go, and follow Alyssa, of course. Uh, I, mean, I love how I, I drag the conversation down by uh, going real serious, and then put you on the spot with no warning to name <laughs> five of your favorite accounts. It shows the oh, sort of God. quality co-hosting you can get out of Mike Murphy on podcasts. But again, <laughs> Alyssa, thank you so, so much. Um, again, you can follow her on, on Twitter at aturns11 with, uh, with a Z in there. And uh, yeah, Tom, was there anything else you had for Alyssa? No, just wanted to thank you for, for joining. Uh, like Mike has said, you are an amazing follow on Twitter. Uh, you know, very funny. And, you know, it's just sometimes some of the randomest things I just look at and, like, I really relate to this so much. And it just makes me smile. Um, but, you know, thank thanks for joining us. Thanks for being you. And uh, I hope you have a good start to the season uh, with uh, the Six and, and the Ribs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just like that, uh, we just wrapped up our interview with uh, Alyssa. Thank you uh, to her for for joining us. Uh, I had a lot of fun, Mike. Did you have a lot of fun? Yeah, Alyssa is such a talented, like, up-and-rising person in the hockey world, not just the women's hockey world. I know I said it a couple times. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you're fucking missing out. Uh, She's Seriously. And, um, you know, there's some people who have a gift for making people laugh over social media. I don't know what it is, but she is filled with that gift and uh we're really lucky to get to talk to her and talk to her about some some more serious stuff because i don't think people uh appreciate how difficult her job can be and how good she is at what she does navigating all that stuff so it was great to have her on uh we thank her for coming on the show and tom we ended up having a lot to talk about this week we did it's uh kind of a, a packed podcast of you know some good information and you know some some fun some laughs some serious stuff and it's uh i think i think that people enjoy this this episode as a whole um and uh we, you know we appreciate uh their support as always and we especially appreciate the support of our patrons uh, a six foot gap i'm nahoic in gaspar i'm real kistner under chicago andy white antiviola beezer ben pierney bjarne rosterheim bob kawa bobby callahan captain america chris abibi chris lucas chris marco trigiano clark carroll daniel jazen frank menino george Littman, e 
Igor Zavlosky, Jamie Bushold, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Repig, Jordan Chasson, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olson, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Offman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landel, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Steve Bjelbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you as always for your support. Um, understand, you know, those who have had to adjust or drop off your contributions, 100% understand it. Um, you know, it's a tough time of the year. It's holiday time, you know, scrimping and saving. And, it, you know, 2020 has been uh, a tough year um, in general. But we, we greatly appreciate your support, your comments, your review, your positive reviews on iTunes. Um, it really does mean a whole lot uh, to me and Mike. Yeah, thank you, everybody. I know, God, it's going to be so nice to put this fucking ear behind us. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we know the realities everyone's facing. Um, you know, if you if this is something you can support the podcast, it means the world to us. It keeps the show running. Obviously we, we can't do the show without our patrons. So we appreciate everyone who wants to pull a little gift under our tree and do a little, little subscription and support us on a, a Patreon. It would sure mean a lot fellas. Uh, but you do what you gotta do. We get it. It's a fucking grind out there. And, uh, like I said, I'm not gonna. Once 2020 is over, I'm not gonna think about it a lot because I'm hoping the next year will be much nicer, and there will be hockey, and there will be cake, and all the things we need. Tom, hockey and cake among the the things that we need the most. Yeah, and on that, as always, uh, Mike, I I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing the show. Um, whenever anyone is listening to this, we hope you have uh, a great day. Um, if you're listening to this uh, the day that it releases, uh, to everyone out there who celebrates, hope you have a uh, great first night uh, of Hanukkah. Yeah, happy holidays to everyone, uh, no matter what you celebrate, no matter what your family celebrates. Have a wonderful, safe, happy holiday season, and... Hopefully we'll be back again very soon with some more hockey to talk about. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.